The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Matthew 6, 5 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of God. Well, you will definitely want to keep your fingers there. Um, If you notice, we read the same um, chunk of scriptures we read last week, and we'll read it this coming week. We're zooming in uh, today on verses 9 and 10, specifically the front half of this model prayer that we see Jesus teaching us in the school of prayer, but I didn't want these verses to be abstracted um, out of their context. And so you see that these verses live in in a larger context of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And so the sermon title this morning is just simply called In the School of Prayer, Part 2. And next week there's going to be, Lord willing, a Part 3. The main idea that we're going to uh, see in this text is this idea of the missionary need of God's people is this. The missionary need of God's people is corporate prayer to our Father. If you remember last week, we introduced this idea of like, what does it look like to see the world in which we live in as missionaries? In a couple of weeks, we're going to round the corner a little bit from the foundation of this idea of the missionary need. What is the need for missionaries who see everyday life as missionaries But what is the missionary mindset, this mindset of going and how are we to live? But before we got to the mindset, I wanted us to see the need that before we go and as we go, the missionary needs to learn how to pray. That's what we saw last week. And then it's not just we need a bunch of individualistic missionaries praying in these individual little pockets. But Jesus is going to teach us the need for corporate prayer, to be a Jesus family that doesn't just say, my father, but a Jesus family that says, our father, and comes together and prays in these ways. And so the missionary need, it looks like, according to Jesus, is not only to learn how to pray, but to learn how to pray collectively as a Jesus family, and Lord willing, That's what we'll be able to see this morning. So I'm just going to pause. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to move in power, to move in might, to grant clarity from this text, to grow us in these things. 
for his name and for his glory. So I invite you again to move from spectator to participant. You can go before the Father right now and you can ask him for this very thing. Father, would you give the gift of clarity and empowering from the Holy Spirit to understand these words from these texts so they don't just do this, go in one ear and out the other, but come in when we understand them and are radically changed from our encounter with what we hear preached. So let's do this. Father, we come before you, the good Father who hears prayer, and we are banking on the promises of your fatherliness. Father, in your kindness, would you grant the gift of clarity on my part, grant the gift of your empowering, the blessing of your Spirit assisting me to proclaim these scriptures here before us. Why? So that we can see Jesus clearly, to see our need for Jesus clearly. Lord, would you do this in and through me? Yes, I'm a messenger, but I also need, desire, and want this message to affect me. I pray the same for my Jesus family in front of me. Holy Spirit, would you come in power, drench, baptize this time in your power, in your might, with your strength, so that the words of the message that are about to come from my mouth would in no way lead us to rely upon or put faith in men, but it would be a full-blown demonstration of the Spirit and His power so that we might come to rest our faith in the power of God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Well, if you remember last week, we entered into the school of prayer. That was the language we were using. And it was Jesus who was leading us by the hand and shepherding us to this place. And it was there in the school of prayer we were saying that Jesus began to show us how to breathe again in prayer. We use that phrase that uh, praying to God is like breathing, breathing in prayer, that inhale and that exhale of just our absolute dependence upon the Lord in these ways. We said Jesus in Luke's gospel turned to these sorts of ideas because the disciples saw Jesus pray. And upon watching him and listening to him pray, drew the conclusion, we need Jesus to teach us how to do that. What we said was, what we know to be very necessary, prayer, doesn't always come natural to us. And so we asked Jesus to help us. And in his kindness, Jesus responded by teaching the disciples, this is how you pray. And we said there was three lessons. Lesson one, Jesus invited us to pray to your Father in a secret place. He said, this is how you pray. You go and you find that place, those times, those moments when you can be alone with Him to pray to the Father. Then He said, lesson number two in the school of prayer is this. Remember that the secret prayer that you engage in with your Father, it's not fruitless, A lot of time we can approach prayer with the mindset that this is a waste of time. Because I'm not sure the Father is hearing what I'm saying to Him. And Jesus says, no, in the secret place, prayer is not fruitless. 
And then he says, now that you know this, what you also need to know is that your father knows what you need even before you go and ask him. And we said, that's not a deterrent to pray. That's a full-blown invitation to pray. But now notice that in the school of prayer, upon Jesus laying out these lessons of, I'm going to take you by the hand and show you how to pray, Jesus continues. But he's not just giving us more instruction. Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus knows the power of example. And so Jesus now turns into verses 9 and 10 and begins to teach us not just how to pray, but he shows us this is how this can actually be done. And he shows for us what exactly this looks like. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's Jesus continuing to teach us. He's teaching us in the school of prayer. He's established sort of those foundational lessons, the way we approach prayer. But now he says, let me show you how it's done so that I can model it for you and assist you on how to do it well beyond me being with you. And what we notice is that Jesus next reveals that in prayer we begin with family speech. That's point number one. In prayer, we begin with family speech. Notice the words, pray then like this, our Father, he says. Our Father. Our Father, these words reveal that true prayer is family speech. Prayer is just not an individualistic approach where there's these many parts just throwing prayers into the heavens, but it is a we are part of this family and the Father is our Father, and so we pray in those lines. This is the idea of collective corporate prayer. You see, it's an easily missed change in language, but it's a huge change in language that we see on the part of Jesus. In teaching how to pray, Jesus gave those three lessons on prayer regarding your Father. But now he's modeling prayer and saying, you need to pray like this, our Father. In the school of prayer, we must learn that prayer begins with embracing not just relationship, but relationships. We embrace the relationship we need with the Father by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in that vertical relationship, Jesus says prayer will go out and connect the many who have been reconciled to the Father and so prayer becomes a tool that helps us embrace the relationships that we have with those who are around us. That's the importance of that subtle shift from your father to our father on the lips of Jesus. You see, we're so used to thinking of prayers personally and individually relating to God. This is right and this is true because this is what we do in our lives. But, says Jesus, Christian prayer is also more than that. It's true that on the cross, Jesus died as the substitute for my sin. He died on the cross to justify me. It's also true that having been justified, this means that I have been adopted into the family of God. He is now my father, and I am now his child. But, says Jesus, what's also true of me is also true of you, and you, 
And you 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 and you. The family idea of prayer is that when we come together in a dedicated time of corporate prayer, it's this idea of I'm not only looking vertically in prayer to the Father, going in secret, speaking to Him, banking on the promise that prayer to the Father is not fruitless, banking on the promise that the Father knows what I need before I ask Him, but I can also look left and look right and say, I am being reminded right now that it's just not me in the family of God. It's not just my Father, but it's our Father because the same vertical relationship I have with the Father in Christ is true of everyone else here in Christ. Corporate prayer does that for us. Thus, God is not just my Father, but our Father. This is the beauty of corporate prayer. It reminds us that we are part of a larger family. In an individualistic age, in an individualistic culture, prayer collectively among the Jesus family rages against that idea that somehow I can go about this on my own. It reminds me, collective corporate prayer reminds me, I'm part of a larger family. I'm not a Lone Ranger Christian. I'm not just a mere individual in relationship with God. Instead, I am a vital part of a unique family that's been knit together by the blood of the Lamb. Corporate prayer can do that. See, we sell corporate prayer too low. Sort of that thing that maybe the pastors just think, yeah, you know, we need to kill an hour and a half. You know, we keep coming in 10 minutes shy, so let's just throw some corporate prayer in there so we can squeeze out that last 10 minutes. Some of us, unfortunately, might approach prayer in that way. But Jesus is actually saying, no, like the beauty of collective corporate prayer is it reminds us of the blood of the Lamb. It reminds us that I'm in the family not because of what I've done. It reminds me I'm in the family because of what Jesus done. And that's not just true of me, but also true of you. In other words, we are family because we have the same Heavenly Father. My Father is your Father. Grasp this, says Jesus. God is not merely our sovereign judge and ruler. He's also our Father. And now the relationship Jesus has always had with his father, he's sharing it with you and he's sharing it with me. Christ is our older brother. We are sons and daughters, co-siblings and co-heirs with him. And so the beauty of your relationship with the father is you get to look around and say, man, this is a great privilege that we get to have Jesus, the Son, His Father is our Father too. This is unimaginable privilege that we so often fail to grasp in prayer. That when we come before the Father and we pray to the Father and we pray in Jesus' name, Because we are in Christ, it's as though we are praying with the mouth of Christ himself. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. We don't pray in Jesus' name because we need to sort of like that abracadabra magical formula on the end of the prayer to make sure it really punches past the ceiling and into the heavens. We pray in Jesus' name as a reminder that I am a child of the Father. I am a son and I am a daughter. 
And the way the Father delights to hear the prayers of Christ the Son means the Father is equally eager to hear the prayers of this Son and these daughters. So when I am praying, it's as though the Father is hearing us speak with the lips of Christ in the same eagerness. He's glad to go, yeah, I love listening to the prayers of my Son. It's also true of you, son and daughter. That's the privilege that we have, but so often fail to grasp. The same care the Father shows the Son is the same care we now know. The same love and fellowship the Father has for the Son is the same love and fellowship we now know. The same eagerness the Father has to hear and answer the prayers of the Son is the same eagerness we now know. Why? Because God is our Father. He's our Father. And it's this knowledge of God's open-armed father love for his children that makes us want to go to him in prayer. A good way to evaluate whether someone grasps the fatherliness, father love of the father is truly the desire and delight they have in prayer. If you fail to grasp the fatherliness, father love of our Father, then we will often not go to Him in prayer. But notice Jesus doesn't only just press on the hour of our Father, but He goes into uh, beyond that and says, we go to our Father in prayer because He is in heaven. You go to Psalm 115, verse 3, the psalmist tells us that our God is in the heavens and He does all that He pleases. For our Father to be in heaven tells us that, is that our Father is at the top of the pecking order. The buck stops with Him. And so for Jesus to say, I'm modeling something for you. When you come to the Father in the secret place, when you come to Him recognizing that in the secret place, your prayer to Him will not be fruitless, when you come to the Father recognizing and banking on the promise that your prayers of adoration, your prayers of confession, your prayers of thanksgiving, your prayers of supplication, the Father knows these ahead of time and this is to entice you, to pull you into, to pray to him, you approach him with this mindset. This is the backdrop. This is the, the kind of headspace I'm teaching you to be living in. Remember, you have a father, and he's not just your father. He's our father. He is your father. You're actually his son, his daughter in Christ. But you also need to know he's sovereign in power. He's in the heavens, and he's doing as he pleases. He's the top of the pecking order. This is the invitation to come and settle into the confidence that the one to whom we pray, he's no mid-level supervisor in some big conglomerate corporate office space. When we pray to the Father in heaven, he doesn't need to run our petitions and intercessions past senior management for approval. Our God is in the heavens is a statement of power. It's Jesus teaching that as blood-bought, adopted members in the Father's family, when we pray, we are holding on to God's omnipotence. We are stating with our words in our action of prayer that the Father is the one who is in control. 
He needs permission from no one. He is coerced by no one. No one can stop his plans. Our Father in heaven is capable, and his agenda always wins. That's what Jesus is setting as the backdrop for the heart attitude of prayer. Our Father in heaven. Now, all this, says Jesus, with this as the backdrop for our prayers, Jesus turns, and in prayer, he says, you begin with family speech, but then also in prayer, we long for God's presence before his provision. We long for his presence before his provision. How many of us pray like this? I have a need. So I find that place, that time, that space, and our prayers usually go like this. Father, bleh, then you just vomit every, all, all your needs, requests, petitions, asks before, before the Father. Don't be a liar in church right now. How many of, you, how many of us do that? Yeah. Half of us are raising our hands because we're telling the truth and half of us are not. But you need to be raising your hands. It's easy to do that, right? To just go to God and say, hey, you're my father, you're in heaven, and we just launch all these requests, these asks, these needs before him. But Jesus is teaching us. Remember, some of us, let me ask you guys this question. If I were to ask you, in your discipleship and growing up, from the moment you came to Christ to here today, how many of us had somebody take us by the hand and show us how to pray? Out of about 120, 130 people, there's about five to seven hands that are up right now. So many of us have never had someone model for them, this is what the Bible says about how you pray. I'm not good at math, but I'm guessing that's like 90-something percent of us here have said, no one's ever shown me that. What I'm wanting you to see is this, while someone may not have shown you that, and you might need and desire more about this, Jesus is showing us right now. So the next time that someone says, has anyone ever shown you how to pray, there's a sense in which none of, or all of us should be able to raise our hand because Jesus is literally doing this right now in the Lord's prayer. Jesus is saying, lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, have this backdrop. I'm showing you. Enter into this heart and head space. He's our Father. He's the Father. He's in heaven. And now what you do is you don't make a beeline rush right into all of your requests and your petitions, your asks. You pause and you soak and you delight in God's presence before you get to your request for provision. Now, Jesus is going to take us there to provision. That's the back half of the Lord's Prayer that we'll see next week. But Jesus is first saying, listen, in prayer, what I'm wanting you to see, the way I'm holding your hand, I'm discipling you right now, says Jesus. I want you to see that the way we pray, because what you heard me do when you said, teach me how to pray like this, said the disciples. Jesus said, let me show you. I'm modeling for you. This is how I do it. I go to our Father in heaven, and then I delight 
in his presence. I marinate in it. I long for it. I soak in it way before I ever get to the provision. So just again, look at how Jesus instructs us there. Verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. What? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the language. Your name hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's upward, it's upward, it's upward. It's Godward, it's Godward, it's Godward. In my studies this past week, I read this question and I just thought it was a very thought-provoking question because I think it's a good challenge that Jesus is giving us here. And the question goes like this. If you had the ear and the favor of the most powerful being in the universe, what would you ask for? If you had the ear and the favor of the most powerful being in the universe, what would you ask for? What would you request? What would you do? How would you approach them? The reason why I thought this was such a great question is because its purpose is to help us evaluate our priorities in prayer. Because what did Jesus just teach us? We do have the favor of the most powerful being in the universe, our Father, because He is in heaven, and as the one in heaven, He does all that He pleases. And the danger can be we go, well, I have His favor, and there is His power, so I'm just going to rush right in, I'm going to vomit all my stuff on there, and I'm going to treat Him like a gene. Just give me, give me, give me. I got requests, I got needs, I got wants, and prayer just becomes a beeline sprint to these things. But Jesus is bringing us, teaching us to see that we need to evaluate our priorities in prayer. Jesus just taught us that our Father is in heaven and He is powerful. Now Jesus knows the temptation that you and I face to turn this good news about prayer into some kind of smash and grab free-for-all where we just bombard heaven with our priorities because we want something from Him. In other words, Jesus knows our temptation is to turn the knowledge of God's compassion and power in on ourselves. I think that's what he's doing here. More than we probably care to admit, we can approach our Father in heaven like a spoiled child whose aim in life is to take advantage of their parents' compassion and power to satisfy their priorities. In other words, you've seen this before, right? Where a spoiled child knows their father, knows their mother, knows they have compassion for them, knows they have ability to meet their needs, knows they have the power to meet their needs, but their petitions and their requests of their parent are not born out of a, I am needy, I am dependent, I love my father, I love my mother, I need them to meet my need, but the spoiled child basically flips it in and says, this is my world, I exist to satisfy myself, you exist in my world to satisfy my needs and my requests and my petitions are just to get something out of you. You're the vehicle as a means to my end of satisfaction. that's, That's the way a spoiled child's heart and mind works. And if we're not careful, we can approach our father in that way. I think Jesus knows this. That's why he's leading us to to evaluate our priorities. Jesus is reminding us, listen, Jesus is reminding us that God's power aims to advance his agenda, not ours. 
That's why we lean on his power in prayer. And that's why Jesus begins to say what he says. So the question is, how do we fight turning prayer into just mere requests for the advance of our priorities and our agenda? How do we do this? Jesus says, let me show you how it can be done. Settle it in your heart, says Jesus, to pray for the Father's honor, to pray for his kingdom, and to pray for his will. That's how we pray. You're setting his priorities before him. Notice the first petition on the lips of Jesus when he's showing us how to pray is this. It's to pray for the advance of God's honor in the world. That's that phrase, hallowed be your name. Now we hear this, the prayer sounds odd to our ears because the word hallowed, it's just not a common word. It's just a word we don't use a lot. We hear like, well, what's, what's the deal with this? But just notice, notice uh, and understand this idea that this first request, hallowed be your name, is a simple prayer for the Father's name to be honored, for the Father's name to be glorified. Father, your agenda first, not my agenda. And the first petition, the prayer on my lips is this, Father, I am begging and pleading that you would do what you can do so that the glory and the honor of your holy name would receive the glory and the honor of that it's worthy to be received in this world. You know as well as I do, when you hear the name of God used in the world today, it's not used in a way to honor Him. God's name is awful, and I mean this, and I'm not trying to be, God's name is often complimented and stuck together with the word damn because people are taking God's name in vain and using it in a way to downplay God's name. So Jesus is inviting us into the better way to say, I'm not okay with God's name being coupled with damn. I want God's name to be honored. God's name to be glorified. His name is holy, holy, holy. And the the petition of my heart here first, the reorienting nature of my heart is, Father, would you hallow your name? Would you honor your name? Would you work in the world in such a way that through your church and through your people and through disciple making and through the evangelism and through equipping and all myriads of other ways that you would work in such a way that your name would receive honor and glory. Ultimately, this prayer, hallowed be your name, is designed to reorient our heart, inviting us to deny self, pick up cross, and fall in love with the advancement of God's reputation in the world more than my own. We can love the self-serving advancement of our agenda and we can oftentimes use vehicle as a or use prayer as a vehicle to advance our agenda and Jesus is saying let me show you how to pray prayer is not a vehicle to advance your agenda prayer is a good tool given to you the privilege you have so that your heart can be reoriented to say man I long for his agenda the father's agenda to speed forward in this world in which we live. 
You know this. God's name is holy. Whenever the Bible talks about God's name, it's not referencing the various letters of the alphabet that make up his proper noun. In the Bible, to talk about God's name is to talk about his nature. It's to talk about his character. It's to talk about the very essence of his being. And over and again in the Bible, the word holy, H-O-L-Y, is the central word used to sum up the nature and character of God. It's the reason why the song of heaven is what? Over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We will be singing the glories of our God in this way for an infinite amount of infinities. And you are being invited by Jesus to begin to sing the song of heaven in prayer now, asking, man, God, would you pull many people in now to begin to sing these kinds of songs here on earth as it is in heaven? We're going to see in a couple of minutes. So to pray the Father's name, to be hallowed, is to pray that God himself would honor and protect his holy character, honor, protect his nature from being defamed and obscured. It's to pray with Moses, who prayed like this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? To pray, hallowed be your name, is to pray alongside David. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Yours, O Lord, is the power. Yours, O Lord, is the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. These are scriptural examples of what it looks like to pray, Lord, hallowed be your name. It's also to recognize, though, even further that the Old Testament promised that one day a future king of glory would come and that in the person of Jesus Christ, we find this king who is the glory of God made manifest for Jesus is, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father. So there is a very real sense in to pray, Father, hallowed be your name, is to pray for the advance of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth. So pray, hallowed be your name. Second petition is this, is to pray for the advance of God's gospel in the world. Verse 10, your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name, Father. Your kingdom come, Father. So if the first petition was about God's honor, this petition is about God's kingdom. It's about his gospel. Lord, I want your name to receive the, the worth and the praise it's worthy to receive. I also want your gospel, the good news of you, your son, salvation found in you. I want that to spread. Our Father is a king who has a kingdom. Just think about this idea about a father who's a king having a kingdom. You've seen it in the movie theaters. You read it in stories. Books about fathers who have a kingdom. In those stories, in those movies, 
when you see the son, when you see the heir of the king, when you look at what the son of the king, the heir of the king is doing, they give themselves over. They recognize this. I have no higher ambition. As the son, as an heir, I have no higher ambition than the advance of my father's kingdom. I want to see my father's kingdom spread. That is the goal and the ambition of my life. In time of conflict, war, danger, the overriding passion of the son is this. He can think of nothing else. His father's kingdom must advance. And so it is to be with all of God's redeemed children. We have a father who has a kingdom. And the overriding ambition Jesus is inviting us to is this. Pray for the advance of that kingdom. Pray that it would spread that the Father would pull many out of the domain of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of the beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that Jesus, the stronger man, who is bound to the strong man, Jesus, would plunder the dark news house of Satan and pull many into the good news house of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, the redeemed children of our Father, are here And we're in enemy territory, spiritually speaking, where the kingdom which is in heaven has not yet been fully manifested. That's why we plead, Father, your kingdom come. To pray that prayer, your kingdom come, this prayer is born from the womb of a longing heart. It's the Maranatha cry of God's children. What's the Maranatha cry of God's children? Lord, come quickly. Lord, come soon. I know what heaven is going to be like. And I'm asking you to spread your kingdom far and wide and pull many into your kingdom. A heart that knows the gospel has changed, a heart that knows the gospel has changed us is a heart that pleads for God's kingdom to be extended through the gospel going out to the ends of the world. It's to pray in line with Jesus who said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. It's to pray that Satan's dark kingdom would shrink and God's good news kingdom would grow as the Father delivers sinners from the domain of darkness and transfers them into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Jesus then moves to the third and final petition. Remember, this is Jesus showing us how to pray. How is he showing us to pray? He's saying, listen, long for, desire the Father's presence. Come into his presence and recognize the beautiful invitation before you. Camp out and marinate in his presence. Pray, Father in heaven, your name be hallowed. Father in heaven, your kingdom come. And then thirdly, Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This third petition is just simply the prayer that's for the advance of God's purpose in the world, for his will to be done. You see that there at the end of verse 10? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, if we pray for God's honor and we pray for God's gospel, a natural next step is to pray that how it is in heaven would be how it is here on earth. In heaven, God's name is forever honored. So we pray, God, the way it is in heaven, 
bringing it about here on earth. In heaven, God's good news gospel reigns supreme. So we pray, God, as it is in heaven, make it, make it here on earth. Knowing this, we plead in prayer, Father, accomplish your purposes more and more here on earth. Father, uproot lesser kingdoms that seek to satisfy the souls of men and women but never can and further establish your kingdom in the hearts and lives of men and women. We long to see God reign here on earth in the same way he already reigns in heaven. So we pray for him and we ask him to do it. We pray that earth will look more like heaven and less like hell. We pray for loving homes and for justice and truth in society. We pray that the Father would accomplish His will on earth through the gospel work of local churches. So when you step back, you pull all these things together. Last week's lessons... And then Jesus saying, let me show you that prayer is not just family speech, but in prayer we long for God's presence before we come in search and in need of God's provision. When you stitch all these lessons together from Jesus so far, what do we have? What we have is this. Jesus has just showed us how to pray prayers of adoration to our God. Think about A-C-T-S. In the acronym ACTS, Jesus, in a sense, has just said, this is how you can adore our Father. You can glorify Him as Father. You can recognize Him and praise Him that I am part of the hour by grace through faith in Christ. My God is in heaven and He does as He pleases and that is beautiful and that is glorious. Father, Your name be honored. Your name be glorified. Father, Your kingdom spread because I want more people to be in relationship with You. Father, as it is in heaven, bring it about here on earth. Why? Because I want people to see You and know You and to worship You and come to You. Lord, we adore You. We praise You. We worship you. This is what Jesus has done. He's just modeled for us how to pray prayers of adoration. No one may have shown you how to pray according to the raising of hands, these prayers of adoration, but Jesus is leading you and me by example. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this right now corporately. Ha, ha, ha. You all thought we were doing it next week. See, some of you are like, I won't be here next week, but I will be here this week, and I got you, right? You all thought we were going to start next week, but there's no time like the present. And so what we're going to do is right now, and we're going to ease into this, and so this is going to be a time where I'm going to guide you through a time of adoration to the Father, and you can pray to the Father right now, and we're literally just going to walk the path of what we've seen so far. I'm going to say some things. I'm going to pause and give you time to participate in prayer to the Father just according to how Jesus has taught us. We're going to follow Jesus' lead. We're going to listen to Him. And then I'll close this in prayer. So you can go to your Father right now. Maybe it's this. Remember, I think it was last week I said that adopting the posture of a child before a father. How have you seen children make their request known to a father? They come up and they do this. Maybe that's a posture you adopt right now. Maybe it's you just, you pray with palms up and, a, and, a, and a, aligning your body with the posture of your heart. Like, I, I, I need you, God. I'm here for you. 
We're not even going to get to prayers of provision. We're just going to pray prayers of adoration right now. And a prayer of adoration, it's right to adopt the posture of the heart that says this, man, I, I need you. You are worthy. So maybe that's just even what you do right now. Maybe you remember right now as you go to the Father, thank Him, praise Him, that as you go to your Father in a secret place, He is there to meet you. And you can praise Him for this. You can praise Him that He is not elusive, but He is present and ready and willing to meet you there in secret. Yes, you're in a public space, but you're meeting with Him right now. And that's worthy of praise on our lips. Maybe it's just prayers of worship and praise on your lips now because Jesus has told us that secret prayer is not fruitless. In other words, the Father is listening right now to you. Maybe the flesh is trying to convince you otherwise but bank on the words of him who cannot lie that he is there. He's listening. He sees. And your prayer right now is not fruitless. Remember, Jesus taught us in the school of prayer that your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Worship Him in your heart right now. Give Him profuse thanks that He is a good Father who knows what you need. He's not confused. He's not apathetic. You don't have to coax him to have a care right now. That is good news, worthy of worship. Now remember, you're praying these prayers to, your, to our Father in heaven. Just maybe sit before the Father right now and let your mind rightly be overwhelmed at the magnificent splendor of your glorious Father. Think of who He is. Merciful. Gracious. Kind. Loving. Long-suffering. Let that stir your heart to worship. And then with hearts stirred in worship, just think about what Jesus said. Praise Him that you get to enter into His presence.
you can sit and soak in his presence in prayer. Maybe as you're sitting and soaking in his presence in prayer right now, it's just recognizing, man, I really long for God's name to be honored in the world. Man, I really long for God's gospel to speed forward in this world. really long for God's purpose to advance in this world. More than you want this, the Father's will and desire is for this. So just thank Him. Praise Him that He's good and kind, worthy of honor. He draws sinners by salvation in Christ into His kingdom. That's good news, worthy of worship. Just as His will is done perfectly in heaven, pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, thank you so much for being kind and generous to us. Thank you so much for having a care to teach us. For many of us, we just were never discipled, shown how to pray. And in you, in your kindness, you have shown us. Thank you. Thank you for having a care. Thank you for shepherding us. Lord, would you sink these truths deep into our hearts? Would you stir within us the ever-deepening desire to long for God's presence over and above His provision, recognizing that even if provision fails to come because God's answer is no to our requests, we did get provision because we got more of God's presence. Lord, convince us of these things and turn us into a unified people who recognize we must pray together as a Jesus family. Lord, sink this missionary need deep into our hearts. It's in the name of King Jesus I pray these things. Amen.